Around Joe podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. On this edition of the All Around Joe podcast, I am talking with Danny Yurkuyo, sorry if I messed that up, Danny, of Steady MD. So Danny has been a functional medicine practitioner for some time now. He is also a CrossFitter. He's actually been to the CrossFit Games on a team, and they're doing some really, really cool stuff at SteadyMD. So I'm excited to get to talk with Danny today and really figure out what SteadyMD is all about, where they're going, and how you can benefit from using SteadyMD. So this show is brought to you by the Get Better Project. If you guys would like to get yourself some at-home style, CrossFit-style coaching and training, check out thegetbetterproject.com, click on programs there, and you'll see their daily programs that have full functional gym programs, bodyweight programs, and kettlebell programs that can get you going today, as well as a community, nutrition review, all of that fun stuff. So head over to thegetbetterproject.com and check it out. Oh, and if you would like to try SteadyMD, go to allaroundjoe.com slash steadymd. That's allaroundjoe.com slash steadymd. All right, here's my podcast with Danny from SteadyMD. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. Danny, how's it going today, man? Good. How are you? I, I am great. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to to dig in. So let's go ahead and do that, man. I I sure. love to get to know participants, and we're obviously here, you know, to talk about you, to talk about Steady MD, and like how that's helping the world. But sure, who are who are you? That's what I want to kick this off with. So like, how did you grow up? Where did you grow up? How did that get you into CrossFit? How did that get you into medicine? Did you have any mentors along the way? All that stuff. Oh yeah, sure. I, um, so yeah, I actually I grew up in in Germany. Uh, my mom is uh, was a nurse in Germany. My dad um, actually was from Nicaragua or is from Nicaragua. Moved to Germany to study engineering. Met my mom. Kind of grew up there, um, and then moved to the states when I was seven because my dad ended up getting a job um, for an automotive company here. So I moved to Detroit. Kind of grew up in Detroit. Um, was kind of traditional skateboarding kid. Built a lot of ramps. Um, got all the traditional, you know, injuries associated with skateboarding and snowboarding and, and got really into that, but, um, was also really into music. Okay. So I did that. Um, actually wanted to be an opera singer at one point. So kind of really? all throughout high school, I was, you know, singing opera <laughs> and going to the skate park. So it's kind of an interesting, <laughs> interesting combination, but yeah, then I, you know, I, I got interested in, in, in medicine um, because, you know, I was trying to choose a major once I got to college and there was the option to do, you know, voice performance and then also, you know, to do other majors as well. So I was thinking about kind of doing one or the other and, uh, shadowed one of my dad's friends who is a cardiologist and then kind of fell in love with, with medicine. Um, and then didn't really know kind of what I wanted to do in terms of in medicine for, for quite a while. Um, and around that time, while I was trying to figure all that stuff out, I got introduced to CrossFit too. And I started going to our local affiliate HyperFit, um, which unfortunately is no more, but, um, Doug, Doug Chapman was, a was an outstanding coach, um, and kind of took, uh, me and my wife. And, and at that time, my wife and I had met, it was back, gosh, I think it was the beginning of my junior year of college. We ended up starting doing CrossFit, um, which was really fun. Um, we kind of, it was about, 
gosh, I'm trying to, I don't know, maybe a couple miles away from campus. I still remember kind of riding our bikes in the snow to try to get there because we didn't have a car. So we ended up going to the 530 class and just started training and, and ended up really being passionate about it and then kind of became, became a bigger part of our life and we started competing. Um, and around that time, I had kind of decided I wanted to, to go into medicine and then um, ended up going to, to Cleveland for medical school at the Cleveland Clinic. And then finally, um, as I was kind of going through my training, I had a little bit of an identity crisis in terms of, I guess I think it's not an identity crisis, I guess kind of what everyone goes through and they're trying to pick their specialty, but I was really into transplant, transplant surgery. Okay. So I, cause it combined an, an interest of mine, which was immunology, which um, I did a little bit of coursework in, in undergrad and, and also kind of the, the doing aspect of things. And, um, really got frustrated with the fact that, you know, a lot of these things that people were experiencing, we could prevent. Mm -hmm. So then I took a trip with my family to Nicaragua where my dad's from, like I mentioned, and I saw that the people that were there were suffering from the exact same diseases as people are suffering from here in the States. And it got me thinking. So if I really want to make a big change and prevent disease and embody all the things that you know, we see happen in the CrossFit gym all the time, which is, you know, reversing these chronic diseases that we're constantly told are irreversible. Um, then I really needed to choose a different path. Um, and then I decided to, you know, eventually go with, go with family medicine. And as I was kind of going through that process, I was also very frustrated by the medical system and that a lot of the, the, a lot of the framework of the structure in which we practice medicine is around kind of efficiency and as a product of that that setup it's all about prescribing medications and um, procedures and there really isn't enough time to to practice true medicine the reversal of disease so at around that time i got exposed to a concept called functional medicine um, dr mark hyman who um, at the time was the chair of the institute of functional medicine came to the cleveland clinic and gave an announcement and said hey you know, we're launching this Center for Functional Medicine, the first academic center to do functional medicine at the Cleveland Clinic, and he, here's what it is. So he explained the methodology behind that, which is you know, trying to get to the root cause of issues and looking at the person in a holistic way and using the best of medical science regardless of where it comes from. So alternative medicine, um, you know, whatever, conventional medicine, and really using the most cutting edge um, data that we have to really cure disease. Which is honestly, when I say it like that, it sounds ridiculous because functional medicine really is just is just good medicine. So then I got really into this this whole concept of of functional medicine. It was kind of a light bulb moment because it was this beautiful synergy of what I had learned in CrossFit and through the L1 seminar, and you know later through other seminars as well, and then what I learned in medical school. So it provided me with these these two amazing um, opportunities to express kind of what I had learned. Um, you know, through CrossFit and then through, through, um, through functional medicine. So then I started to practice kind of that style of, of care, even in, in residency. And I ended up going into family medicine residency. And then around that time, um, SteadyMD was actually looking for physicians and had reached out to Julie. And then Julie uh, was at her, I think she was in her beginning of her first year. Maybe she was still in, in medical school. No, it was her first year, I think, of residency. And at that point, she wasn't quite in her training where she could see people independently yet. She said, oh, why don't you talk to my husband? 
so then we talk, I talked to them. They're like, Hey, we want to set up a, a practice for, for, you know, CrossFit enthusiasts for people who do functional fitness. And I said, okay, that sounds amazing. That's exactly what I want to do. So I ended up moonlighting for them um, when I was still a resident and kind of helped them develop that practice. Um, and now I, you know, I'm graduated from residency and I, I work for SteadyMD full time. I have a, an office, a brick and mortar office, um, as you can see here in Cleveland, Ohio, at Black Flag Athletics, which is our local CrossFit affiliate. So I see people virtually all over the country um, through the, the SteadyMD platform and then local SteadyMD patients um, I see in person too. That's kind of where I am now. <laughs> that's, that's super cool. What made you want to be a doctor in the first place? Um, it sounds so cheesy. I mean, I just wanted to help people, right? I was just fascinated with, with science and, and biology and in particular immunology. Mm-hmm. And um, I liked working with people. You know, being with people energizes me. I'm definitely an extrovert. So um, it kind of combined all those different things into, into one profession. Okay. Very cool. And was yeah. skateboarding the only, or skateboarding and snowboarding, so board sports, were those the only sports that you did growing up? Yeah, I played some like pickup soccer, um, but skateboarding okay. was my was my major sport, which now in, in hindsight, I'm kind of really paying the price for. Really? But, um, yeah, orthopedically, but it's been, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was really, really, it's a fantastic sport. I loved it. Yeah. Okay, cool. And were you, when you were growing up, I'm just curious, like, were your parents pushing you towards a medical career? Or, you know, a lot of times we yeah. have these influencers on our lives. And I think it's really interesting to know, like, how yeah. that path was molded. Yeah, no. So I, as I, as I mentioned, I was really into music. And I think part of the big influence came from my parents, actually, I guess the biggest thing they pushed me into is music, because okay. my, my, my grandparents were very musical. Um, and I just started, you know, music lessons that I think I was three years old. And my uncle was uh, kind of a, a, I would say, probably pretty successful DJ in electronic music, too. Mm-hmm. And he influenced me um, as well, just from kind of an electronic music perspective. And then I was exposed to, you know, classical music. So I got a nice, um, I got nice exposure to music in the different different genres. And then my parents were, they, they really didn't mind, honestly. They were like, do whatever you want. But you know, music sounds like it's a great, a big passion of yours. Definitely pursue it. As long as you can, you know, it's not about money. As long as you can sustain yourself, um, we don't care what you do. Um, but they also wanted me to kind of see what else was out there beyond mm-hmm. music. So they kind of, you know, said, oh, why don't you just hang out with our friend here for an afternoon with no intention of like, you know, pushing me that way. But I ended up loving it. Cool. And do you yeah. still do any music now? Um, I do, but not in the sense of like composing or anything like that. Now I have, I just like enjoy listening and, and like mixing electronic music. Cool. So I just have like a, a nice setup um, at home with some pioneer um, CDJs and stuff and just, you know, just for fun. Nice. And like hoping to, I'm probably be DJing the, the open here, but kind of fun things cool. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun. When you were going yeah. through med school, did you get any or did you feel any pushback by the functional medicine direction? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still get a lot of pushback because it is such a, it's such a different approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, functional medicine, I guess in, in the term that it's, in the way that it's perceived uses a lot of kind of non, I guess I wouldn't want to say it is non-traditional. So they're non-traditional tests. So a lot of like stool tests, um, mm-hmm. some hormone testing and a lot of conventional labs that are, 
that are perceived or, or viewed at in a different way, like maybe with different reference ranges compared to conventional reference ranges. And that's, you know, some people argue that there's not a lot of evidence, like randomized controlled trial, kind of standard medical research for this kind of thing. But um, what, and I, I had the same kind of suspicions or kind of, um, I was kind of had the same concerns as a lot of other folks as well. But then when I, you know, rotated through some functional medicine clinics where I saw these tests being used and, and that they were helpful in making diagnoses where conventional medicine really wasn't able to help, it made me a, a much bigger believer of, of this style of medicine. And I think the pushback comes mostly because of um, a lack of knowledge, more that people don't really see, they don't, for one, they don't see the, the data and the data is coming. There's lots of studies that are being done, now, especially at the Cleveland Clinic to really validate um, the, the methodology for functional medicine. But you know, these people on the outside, they don't necessarily see what's going on in the clinic and how people are, are really helped from the perspective of, you know, even these, these chronic conditions that oftentimes modern medicine or conventional medicine for that matter, doesn't really have any answers to. So, you know, think we're talking about things like controlling autoimmune disease without these, you know, harsh medications and potentially even reversing some chronic conditions that are thought to be irreversible. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, the functional medicine, what you're describing, like makes so much sense versus the conventional medicine. So it's always surprising to me that when you go to your, you know, general physician or whatnot, they're not thinking about it that way. So, I mean, is that surprising to you as well? Like, why aren't you thinking about what is actually causing things? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because, gosh, I, for, I was listening to a podcast a little while ago and I forgot who said this, but, you know, when we're educated as doctors, we go through, our training is is doesn't really allow for much independent thinking mm. until you go out into practice. So, you know, in your medical school or in college, you're told to memorize some facts, take the test and move on. These are facts, like you have to learn them. Then you get to medical school, more facts, memorization, then you get to residency, you say, follow the protocol. Don't do from the protocol. This is what you do. Then you finish and then you're out in, in the real world. And now all of a sudden you're seeing things in ways that are, that are different. You don't have, you know, as much structure. You really have to think independently. And now for the first time you have to think for yourself, you know, in a way that's, that's challenging. So I don't, I don't, and, and, and people have that framework. So then when they see functional medicine, that it's kind of out of the box. It is a little bit, you know, it's a, it's a different way of looking at, um, different way of looking at things. And I think because people have been kind of brought up in this kind of traditional paradigm, it can seem foreign. And I, I you know, functional medicine has um, not similar research that conventional medicine does where, um, you know, you have these giant, well-funded studies that are just tweaking one variable and then seeing if that variable has an effect. Super nice to do for, for medications, right? It's the one thing that you can control. But when we're talking about functional medicine, we're talking about, you know, addressing sleep, exercise, relationships, stress. And then we're also looking at your gut, making sure, you know, that there's no, you know, nothing else going on. That we're looking at hormone levels. So we're doing so many things at once. And then people end up getting better, right? Yeah. So then the, the, the pushback is often like, yeah, but you don't know what actually worked, you know? But oftentimes yeah. the interventions in functional medicine are so low risk. Um, and so it's like, well, you know, I argue, 
sure, I, I'd like to know exactly what worked and what didn't work. But for now, this works. And I'm, I'm not sure that I do need, you know, a multi-million dollar trial to figure out what exactly worked so long as it, as it works. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I, yeah. I resonate with everything that you're saying. So I think that it's fantastic and really yeah. even more excited to have you on the show right now. So this awesome. is really cool. Really cool stuff. So cool. what exactly, how do you describe steady MD when somebody comes to your, you know, your elevator pitch? Yeah. So I tell them it's, it's having a relationship with a, with a real relationship with a doctor who's really invested in your long-term health. Mm-hmm. in a way that's completely virtual and accessible. Um, so what, what SteadyMD really, really is, it's essentially having a primary care physician in your, in your pocket. So the, the app, there's an app that you can text your doc. Um, we have unlimited appointments, one hour long, um, initial intake visits, 30 minute follow-ups, um, and the idea is also to partner with, with a physician who practices a similar lifestyle. So, right. Most of my okay. patients are, are CrossFitters. So they understand, I mean, for goodness sake, I'm in a CrossFit affiliate, you know, so they totally, it, we, we really, we really jive well together from the perspective of, of lifestyle um, goals and kind of how they, how they live their life too. So um, I tell people that that's an element of st- that's an element of a doctor patient relationship that really, you know, I think elevates the therapeutic relationship and the power of, of treatments, knowing that, you know, the doctor understands your life, um, both from the perspective of doing the same sport, but then also has the time to get to know you. And, um, yeah, so that I kind of explain all those different components, you know, that it's, that it's digital, that there's a lot more time that the doctor really understands your life and practices a similar lifestyle. And for most people, they are really, really excited about that. Um, the only limitation, obviously, that is that I can't do a physical exam, right? If, so if I'm seeing somebody in California. So what we do is, you know, I still encourage folks to have an, an in-person um, doctor that they can see in case of an emergency. Yep. Or if they have a, you know, if they need a, a physical maybe every couple of years if they're generally healthy. Um, might not ha- be like they're you know, might not be their best friend or, or share a similar perspective on health, but it's someone that they can get plugged into. And then I can kind of manage everything else. And a lot of the time there's an issue too. I'll communicate with that, that, that doc on the ground, or if somebody goes to the ER, I'll call the ER ahead of time, give them a little rundown of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. That way there's a very nice longitudinal kind of relationship. Very cool. Did, did steady MD were the founders tech people or doctors or both? They were tech. Yeah. Okay. So tech people. So, so the they, steady, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no. So it's kind of stemmed out of the their desire to have a true relationship with with a physician, rather than just seeing some, you know, some random individual who uh, who might not um, share a similar lifestyle. They, I think the at the very core of Steady MD is is relationship, um, is the relationship between a doc and a patient, and uh, really um, using that to kind of drive not just, you know, you know, um, behavior change and health optimization, but also kind of have people be, be comfortable, know that they have someone in their corner, regardless of kind of what happens. Yeah. And is, what is the long-term goal for like the relationship between the patient and the doctor? Is that, is it, are you guys thinking like, all right, you know, I, I'm working with Danny and like, Danny's going to be my man for the yeah. long term, you know, because yeah. he, 
knows all my stuff. Like it, I feel like it used to be that way, you know, maybe like when our parents were growing up, but like now it's kind of like, well, I don't really like this guy. Let's go to the next guy. Let's go see what. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, that's, that's one of the ways I explain it to people as well. You know, it used to be, you know, the doc was in your community. You'd see them at the grocery store. You'd see them at, you know, at church, you'd see them or, you know, all over, all over town. And you, they were just a staple of your community. Or if they were, you're sick, you, you know, they'd come to your house on a Saturday, check your kids out, and make sure or stitch them up if they, you know, busted their head <laughs> open or something like that. And this is really kind of bringing back that 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 ethos, that like that soul of medicine, which I I really, you know, thought existed in medicine, yeah. but unfortunately, it's kind of fading away a little bit. But we're bringing it back. That's yeah, it's really cool. And I know that all of like the people that are connected to the CrossFit community are seeing the Steady MD name all over the place, which is sure. fantastic. And I'm I'm happy, you know, and excited to spread this word as well. Awesome. Because it sounds like you guys are doing really cool stuff. Is there a specific target market right now for Steady MD? Or is it individualized per doctor, like you said, that you try and match yeah. people up? Or what are you guys going after? So yeah, it's, it's individualized um, by doctor. So we have a, a really cool quiz if you go to our website, steadymd.com, that you'll answer a couple of questions and then it'll pair you with you know, three potential options for a doctor. So we have many, many different doctors on staff um, so that we can kind of have something for, for everyone really. Very so cool. obviously for, for, me, for me, my target market is you know, um, active you know, CrossFitters, people who do functional fitness. So um, and then people, I think there's another kind of group of patients. They don't necessarily do CrossFit, but they kind of are looking for that more holistic root cause based medicine, um, for, for, uh, for, um, their healthcare. And that's kind of, I, I do want to highlight kind of what I do is, is not because when people hear functional medicine, you know, some folks, um, look at it from the perspective of, of kind of functional medicine as a specialty, if you will, where you do really extensive lab testing, gut testing, nutrient testing, hormone testing. Um, I certainly do some of that, but what I would say, what I do is, is kind of regular primary care with kind of a functional medicine flair. Like I don't necessarily do, don't really do a lot of the advanced testing, but I have that, that kind of mindset, like try, let's try to get to the root cause of issues as opposed to, um, you know, just treating it with a medication or a procedure. For sure. And it seems like it's, it's really interesting and really cool because I know that there's a lot of people that are listening and watching this podcast that are not only just general CrossFitters, but they're trying to, you know, get to this, what we used to call regionals level or like, you know, the competitive yeah. portion of CrossFit. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because as CrossFit has matured, I, and I know that you, you'll have some interesting stuff to say about this, but it's gone from sure. like being healthy to like, all right, I'm going to go very competitive. And then there's some other space there, right? Which I don't know what your perspective is on how healthy that is. But do you, if, and when you get people like that, do you help them through managing that extra stress that comes from being a competitive athlete, whether it's CrossFit, I guess, or some other kind of sport? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, I would, you know, I always say that to, to borrow a phrase from CrossFit, you know, a little bit, you know, the, the needs of, you know, the elderly and the elite athlete vary by degree, not kind. And it's really similar in, in healthcare as well. So, you know, for, for professional athletes, which I, I kind of almost consider people who are trying to do a regional level because they're spending like four or five hours, you know, two hours of recovery 
for that's yeah. a full, almost a full work week for some people if they're training six days a week, you know? Yeah. So, um, from that perspective, um, they need some, some additional support perhaps in, in their kind of nutrition and, and, um, uh, you know, overtraining management, I guess you would kind of call it to some degree. Yeah. Um, but when I work with, with kind of people who do a higher volume, we really have to pay close attention to making sure they're not overtaxing their, their system. So this concept of overtraining, I kind of view overtraining very similar to this concept called, you know, uh, HPA axis dysfunction. Some people call it adrenal fatigue, but that's really not a really not a great term because that's that's really not what it is. But you know, changes in your hormone levels because of of too much stress on the system. So I work with folks to really optimize their sleep um, to make sure that they're recovering well, that their nutrition is on point because nutritional needs change quite a bit um, at the competitive level. And then um, dialing in, you know, other other lifestyle factors. That's not to say that with 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 uh, you know recreational athletes or people who don't work out a whole lot that I don't address that. But I always kind of look at five five different domains. You know, I was taught by one of my mentors, uh, Nate Bergman, to always look at you know sleep, exercise, stress, um, and nutrition. And then I add actually a fifth to that, which is relationships. Yeah. So um, those are kind of the five domains that we always I always try to dial in with absolutely everyone. And some of those domains might get extra, you know, attention based on what people are doing in terms of exercise. Very cool. And so do you actually look at nutrition or do you refer someone out for that? Or how does that work? Because I know a lot of doctors I talk yeah. to don't get a ton of nutrition training. Yeah, I do. I do look at nutrition. I kind of view it as a, um, it's, you know, it's a medicine, really. It's a food you eat, you know, it's a medicine you take three times a day the rest of your life. So yeah. um, I definitely use that quite a bit. And um, look at macros, use my fitness pal all the time, <laughs> that kind of thing. So that's, that's part of definitely what I do for some things. It certainly gets a little bit more complex, right? I need to kind of recruit a dietitian as well to kind of, um, dietitian on the, on the care team to really help with that. Um, because it can get a little bit tricky, particularly when there are, you know, sometimes it like GI diseases, like let's say somebody has Crohn's or ulcerative colitis and, and they're quite sick and we really need to look at nutrition from a, from a, for more a, a detailed lens, um, mm -hmm. or if there's an eating order, the eating disorder involved, then, you know, I, I'm going to need a little bit more support from a dietitian. Yeah. Cool. What kind of general tests or, or are there general tests that you come or you give to people on yeah. like an intake? Yeah, absolutely. So it, obviously, you know, it depends on, on who the person is, but you know, I really am very diligent to screen people for insulin resistance. That's probably the biggest thing that I make sure doesn't happen. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that, you know, when you have full-blown diabetes, the process actually started 10 years ago. So it started with, um, the, you know, the before diabetes is pre-diabetes, before right. pre-diabetes is insulin resistance, where your body isn't able to use um, insulin um, effectively, becomes somewhat resistant or insensitive to it, where your blood sugar raises to a level where it's, it's, it's unsafe. Right. So I do some tests for that. Um, and then also do a, a more detailed cholesterol panel for, for most folks where you're actually looking at, um, so, you know, the conventional cholesterol panel where you have total cholesterol, triglycerides, LDL, HDL, kind of good and bad cholesterol doesn't give you a complete picture. And what I do is a, a special cholesterol test where we take a much more detailed look at those cholesterol particles. We essentially take your blood and run it through an MRI machine. Um, 
and then actually you can see the different particle sizes, um, not to go into too much detail, but it allows you to get a much, much better sense of, of what actually is going on from a cholesterol perspective. And then in turn, it also provides you with some additional information to see if you're, you're insulin resistant. Um, those are, that's probably the two biggest tests. Um, and then based on, you know, symptoms, looking for thyroid disorder, um, sometimes that's, that's quite common in folks who are kind of overtrained. Um, and then also, you know, the standard blood work, like blood counts and making sure their kidneys and livers are, are working okay. Cool. Sounds really, yeah. really interesting and not like yeah. a normal general practitioner that I would go to. So that's cool. Yeah. Really cool. Um, How does this work or does it work at all with insurance? Yeah. So um, it's a hundred dollars a month. And it's that that part is out of insurance. So it's kind of like a subscription fee, like kind of like you would pay for a gym membership, but some people can get reimbursed um, through their um, HSA accounts. Okay. And um, what people typically do is they have a catastrophic insurance plan uh, where they, um, you know, they pay a lower premium and then they use, you know, the money that they save from that and then use it for, uh, for steady MD. And then we also have a, a newer option too, where we have, um, a partnership with a cost sharing company where you, it, it functions similar to your insurance where you pay for steady MD and you pay for this, this cost sharing, um, company as well. Um, and then finally, you know, if people are completely without insurance, um, we see those folks too. And regardless if you have insurance or not, let's say insurance decides not to cover a particular test or, or um, you want to pay out of pocket, we have a nice program too where we can, where we can get labs at a discounted um, rate as well. Okay, interesting. So it's $100 a month for SteadyMD and then any additional test gets thrown into that, uh, you know, that bag and you would either pay for that out of pocket or through your or insurance. Or run through your insurance, right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. How much does a typical intake cost for somebody? Just let's say the insurance doesn't pay for it or, you know, what's that number look like? If you're like, if we're looking at a CrossFitter that comes yeah. into you, seems generally healthy. In terms of labs, if they had to pay out of pocket? Yeah. Just like, Hey, I want to yeah. you know, intake. I say, and- yeah. I think the, the labs that I typically order probably cost something like 120 bucks, a hundred bucks, something like that. Okay. Yeah. And the hundred dollars a month get gets access to you text message full time and all that is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the labs are independent of the of the of the subscription fee, but yeah. So the way it works, it's a hundred bucks a month. You know, you have um, one month to kind of decide if if you like it, if it's a good fit, and then after a month, um, if you decide to continue, then it's a twelve month contract, or I guess an eleven month contract. And then at that point, for the full okay. year. Basically, you're paying $100 a month to have somebody of your expertise that you can ask questions to on a regular basis. Yeah, and gets to, and I get to be your doctor, prescribe medications, you know, referrals, um, imaging, labs, all that stuff. Just like a regular doctor, but anywhere you want. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Sounds yeah. really fantastic. Um, where do you see the SteadyMD headed in the next two to five years? Yeah. So I, I, would I, would I, it's going to be more things like steady MD will be more accepted as the standard of care. I think most of primary care is really shifting to more of a virtual model because um, a lot of people aren't getting care 
And a lot of people are just choosing not to go to the doctor. And this virtual option very much kind of appeals to, to folks. So I think from, from a steady MD perspective, I think we're going to dramatically grow um, because of because just the natural flow of healthcare at this point. Yeah. But where I'd like to see kind of steady MD go is kind of be a completely virtual practice with, you know, um, uh, dietitian services, a psychologist on staff, psychiatric um, um, physicians on staff. Um, so kind of like a whole medical system, but completely virtual. Yeah. That sounds, sounds fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. So, um, is there anything about steady MD that we haven't talked about before we get into some of these fun questions, um, that you think we should address? Um, no, I think we covered most of it. Okay. It sounds, it sounds really cool to me. And I think that the, even the hundred dollars a month doesn't sound like it's all that intimidating at all for somebody that man, that is paying crazy healthcare costs right now, potentially, um, and doesn't get much, much feedback from doing that. Right, right, right. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Cool. So let's, uh, as a, a CrossFitter and, and fellow, you know, fitness nerd. These are some, yes. a couple of fun questions for you that I, people just love to hear the answers to these. I do as well. Sure. Um, what, what's your favorite cheat day meal? Oh, favorite cheat day meal. There's this really good uh, gluten-free pizza place by our house. So definitely I'd probably say pizza. Yeah. Cool. And so what it, do you know what it's called? I'm a pizza nerd. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's actually right down the street. It's called Town Hall, and mm-hmm. it's a completely non-GMO restaurant. Um, oh. And they try to remove um, like as many inflammatory foods out of their menu as possible. Everything is just absolutely delicious and fresh. It's, it's re- so anytime you're in Cleveland, you have to check out Town Hall in Ohio City. It's a really, really cool place. I wish I would have known we were there a few months ago. Shoot. Oh, bummer. Okay, <laughs> next time. <laughs> next time, absolutely. Is it snowy yeah. there right now? Um, I think a little bit. It's more icy now. It got it got uh got warm and then it got icy and, and froze again. So yeah. Cool. But what's what's cool. the hard what's the hardest workout you've ever done? Hardest workout I've ever done. Um it was so it was actually in the two thousand eleven games. I, I went on a I was on a team um in two thousand eleven. And one of the workouts was carrying sandbags over um, a bunch of essentially obstacles. And I'd, I've never, ever felt my legs burn that hard my entire life. And I think it was all the adrenaline. I, it was just like a, a to- I was in a totally different place, like in a totally different world. That was definitely the hardest workout I've ever done. Nice. Yeah. What are your current fitness goals? Just try to stay healthy at this point. So I just okay. had, I had knee surgery recently, so I'm recovering from that. Um, because of a torn meniscus, kind of a chronic skateboarding injury that I've been rehabbing for like 10 years. And then finally I got to give way in the middle of a workout. So yeah, I just want to, I want to, you know, stay healthy and, and, and train and, and do that. Um, as long as it stays fun, I'll probably end up doing a little bit more volume. See if I do masters, who knows? Yeah. But right now it's to stay healthy. Yeah. Very cool. And do you have a particular patient that signs up for steady MD and you're like, yes, this is my wheelhouse. I love working with this type of person. 
I mean, it's, I don't know. I like, it's, it's kind of a, a cop up, but I really like working with, with everyone. It's just, it's okay. honestly, the rewarding part is that, that people are motivated and that they're wanting to make a change. Um, that to me is, is so invigorating as a physician. So that's, that's the biggest thing. Very cool. Yeah. And last question for you. Yeah. We have this pretty big issue right now in the United States and pretty, you know, the world as a whole, if you want to bunch it together, of people being overweight and obese. And I ask this question to everybody because I feel like, you know, I get to talk to a lot of really smart people. So it's cool. And maybe at some point, you know, everybody's thoughts will merge together and we'll have a really big solution for this. But what yeah. do you think that yourself and SteadyMD need to be doing or what do you think that we can do as a whole to help with this obese and overweight issue that we're dealing with? Yeah, that's a it's a big, big question. Uh, Nobel Prize worthy if you figure it out. <laughs> um, but I think it has to do with systems. Um, okay. You know, it, to say that you know obesity is the result of, of you know a lack of willpower just isn't true. It's this mentality that I think is a little bit pervasive. Um, it's really the system. So, for example, the food industry subsidizing get, getting subsidized by essentially by the government um to produce really cheap unhealthy food um is is a huge 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 problem making kind of healthy food more accessible to to everyone is critical from a from a very basic needs perspective right so like the if you get the main things in place um like you know like i mentioned previously exercise sleep stress nutrition and relationships most disease gets quite a lot better or doesn't happen in the first place. So if we get these very basic things in place, nutrition being um, perhaps the single most important from a, from a public health perspective, um, that that's going to be critical. And then from a medical community perspective, um, really changing the, the mindset or the, the system from one that's of, of throughput of getting, seeing people quickly to getting, um, to developing relationships, to have time to actually practice medicine. Because you know, when I talk about functional medicine, it's, I'm not trying to kind of separate myself from conventional doctors. The functional medicine really is just good medicine. All, all people, all um, doctors know how to practice functional medicine. They all want to get to the root cause. And they all learned it in, in medical school, right? This is, these aren't new facts, but it's, we're limited by time, by the system, by the pressures to produce, the pressures to get people through the system that's really limiting um, kind of healthcare as a whole, not just from a perspective of obesity. So I think nutrition changing kind of the way medicine is practiced to, to actually allowing more time. Um, and then I think um, the other, the other thing is really making sure that people are plugged into, into good communities. So, you know, health behavior change and, and health in general happens in communities, right? So that people aren't in isolation. So having people, you know, making sure people aren't lonely. There's a huge epidemic of loneliness, um, particularly in the elderly. Um, making sure that, you know, people have uh, folks that they can rely on, that they have stable families, that they have people that they can reach out to. These are the things that really make a big difference. And, you know, obesity is just one manifestation of that, of these chronic diseases, I guess you would call them, in, in, in society. It's kind of a, you know, philosophical answer to to the question of for the question about the the obesity epidemic, but I think the question really, when you dig into it and you peel it back, really highlights a lot of different things that are influencing the health of the country. I love the answer, Danny. That was really really interesting. Um, 
Sure. One question about it. What is up with the time restraint of the medical professionals? Is it a money issue or is there something else going on there? Yeah. No, it's absolutely a money issue. 100%. So in order okay. to make, you know, to keep the lights on, you have to see a certain amount of people. The system was structured so that it was, it was set up for fee for service. You know, the more you did, the more you got paid. The problem is the price of healthcare and the, the reimbursement for what you actually do hasn't, you know, isn't appropriate. So in order for you to actually keep the lights on, particularly as an independent practitioner, if you're taking insurance, you have to see people every 15 minutes. Um, yeah. I mean, it's insane, right? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um, mm. And it, it puts people in a position that, um, that, that no one's happy. You know, the physician isn't happy. The patient isn't happy. It's completely demoralizing for both parties. Um, so, I mean, the insurance system has to change as well. And, and the whole, and the whole system is changing. I wouldn't say that, you know, it's, it's stagnant at all. We're really shifting towards um, more what, what is called kind of outcomes-based um, reimbursement, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, the healthier your, 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 your tribe is, if you will, the, the more you get, um, the more money you keep, you don't get penalized or so it's changing. It's changing. But like in all big things, you know, all big systems, it's going to take decades to change. For sure. That sounds really interesting though. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, if people want to find out more about you or get started with SteadyMD, what's the best yeah. way for them to do that? Yeah, go to the website steadymd.com, and there you'll be able to take the quiz. If you have any um, kind of detailed questions, um, there, there's always somebody on the the in the corner of the of the screen in the chat window to ask questions, and then you can go to or send an email at info at uh, steadymd.com. Um, any questions that you may have there, um, you can find me on Instagram at Danny or Cuyo, um, MD at, you know, there. And then, um, yeah, those are the ways to get a hold of me and, and, uh, learn more about steady MD. Cool. Well, Danny, this has been awesome. Appreciate your yeah. time. Thank you so much, man. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, that was my podcast with Danny Yurkuyo of SteadyMD. It was awesome. So I don't know about you guys, but I thought, or I think what SteadyMD is, is doing and Danny is doing is absolutely groundbreaking and it's, it's exactly what our medical, or what the medical community needs and what we need as people that are needing the medical community. I mean, how cool is it to be able to talk with your doctor on a regular basis and help have them help you to optimize your life or help you through some sort of illness that you have so simply without having to, you know, make an appointment and go down the street and wait in line and all that stuff. I think this is fantastic, especially as somebody that wants to optimize and make sure that I am in peak shape at all times and keeping that in track. My the, doc- the system or the doctors that I've worked with in the past do not do that at all. They're totally reactive to what has been going on. So this is super, super cool. I highly recommend you check out Danny at SteadyMD, especially if you're a CrossFit athlete. See if you can work with them. I know I will be doing that for sure. If you guys want to try SteadyMD, make sure you go to allaroundjoe.com slash SteadyMD. That's allaroundjoe.com slash SteadyMD. This podcast was brought to you by The Get Better Project at thegetbetterproject.com where you can get daily workouts, 
sent to you a very collaborative, supportive group of individuals and uh, basically fully customizable for your workout day. Workouts, videos of the workouts, um, asking questions about the workouts, nutrition advice, all that fun stuff. All you have to do is go over to thegetbetterproject.com, click on programs, and you'll see the daily workout program right there. All right. I hope you guys enjoy this. You can find all the show notes for this episode at allaroundjoe.com slash 183. That's allaroundjoe.com slash 183. And make sure that you subscribe because you can subscribe for free. Just click on the subscribe button either at iTunes or YouTube or wherever you are watching or consuming this video. The All Around Joe Podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-coach. I will see you.